All right, what is up, lefties? It is your boy, Michael Harris. Joined us always with Lincoln Cook, and we have a very special guest from Colorado, Micah Kaliz. How is it going, buddy? Good, good. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing dandy. We're, we're less than one month to US AMS, which has been a big countdown for us here. <laughs> but this is a fun distraction for us. Uh, I'll give a quick bio. Actually, Micah, correct me for whatever I'm going to say go, wrong. Go for it, Lincoln. Uh, Micah is 990 plus rated. I don't know where you're at right now. Uh, 990 995 plus. As, as of today, 995. Ooh, okay. <laughs> okay. I dropped, I dropped one point, but oh. uh, probably deserved to drop more, but still <laughs> hanging on. There you Round, go. So rounds 995. Up to rounds up to that. Uh, originally from Minnesota. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Dadgummit. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, living in Colorado, like mm-hmm. seven minutes down the road from me, which is kind of fun. Uh, you and I met at a weekly tag event, mm-hmm. and you were left-handed, or are left-handed. <laughs> and yep. so we got talking a little bit, just lefty disc golf, and now you are on the left-hand backhand Disc golf podcast. It's a pleasure to be on. I'm pumped. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah. When, when, uh, I guess I don't go to that tags match very often. So it was, it was pretty fortunate to meet you there. So it's the only time I've been. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty sick. Um, you were just recently in a bigger a tier in Colorado at the three Oh three open up at badlands. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of a, a combination course up at Badlands. Um, arguably one of the bigger tournaments, I would say, probably the biggest, um, because you have some touring po- pros kind of stopping by. Um, there's a couple of USDGC spots available, so oh, wow. you got some of the some of the guys trying to come and grab uh, grab that with a an A tier field here. Um, the course was a combination between upper and lower Badlands uh, at Kamenesh Park um, in Thornton. So nice. Yeah, we didn't have a, a DGPT stop or even a Silver Series this week. So kind of a decent week for a couple of pros to come. And we had uh, Aaron Goose Gossage mm-hmm. come and take it down. Uh, mm-hmm. Joel Freeman, uh, any other touring pros? Um, there was a few others that, that traveled out here. Um, uh, one of my, one of my buddies that I played with last year, uh, Jake Brown, he's, he's, uh, doing all the, all the tour stops, I believe. Um, I actually got to play with him a few times this last weekend. Um, he's based out of, I think San Diego. Um, and then there was a couple other, um, kind of quasi, um, like celebrities, like you had Colorado Paul Kranz. Well, you had Paul Kranz. Um, oh, really? Yeah, okay. world champion last year. Um, Harry, Sick. his buddy. Um, some some guys that are kind of featured on on Simon's uh, YouTube. Um, got to hang out with them a bit, and uh, I think there was there was a few more. Maybe uh, you had AJ Carey was here too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joe um, Revere. Joe. Yep. And uh, who's the other one? Finished like top five or top seven or something um, like that. Oh boy, 
I feel bad that I don't remember, but I was, <laughs> I I was so. watching the top few cards, but I, I do not remember. Well, Nick Hansen was here too. Yeah. yeah. Nick Hansen. That's what I'm thinking of. Yep. Yeah. Sick. Well, uh, after the first two rounds, you were looking pretty solid. <laughs> uh, talk to us about the first two rounds. We'll, yeah. we'll just focus on those two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I had so first of all, just a little background. I had my uh, first tournament of the year last last uh, or I guess two weekends ago now. Um, it was a smaller B tier down in Colorado Springs, kind of a warm up tournament. Um, mm-hmm. I tried to get one in before three o three, and I probably should have started with this. You're recovering from shoulder <laughs> surgery. Uh, it wasn't surgery. Um, so I had shoulder some, injury. Yes. Yes. So at the end of the year last year, I was battling, um, some pretty severe kind of shoulder pain. Um, there was a, f- a few days that I woke up and I couldn't even move my arm or lift my arm. Um, it kind of came after one of, one of my later season B tiers, um, before worlds, I was signed up for, for world, uh, world's um, out in Emporia and, um, kind of played like a warm up B tier. Um, unfortunately, uh, after that tournament, I had some shoulder pain, kind of some numbness in my shoulder when I was throwing. And then I woke up the next day and I couldn't really lift my arm. And it was the week before driving out to worlds. Um, so I decided on, unfortunately dropping out my first worlds that I qualified for. Um, but that killed a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But honestly, I don't know what I was really trying to do going out to Worlds. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> just, the just experiencing it, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. seeing a bunch of friends and and uh, hanging out with all the guys. But um, kind of finished out the season a little little weak because of that. So I took about six, maybe five or six weeks of PT. Uh, came back for states and one other tournament, and then ended up re-injuring my shoulder and then taking a few months off. Um, so I'm kind of coming off of a shortened off season slash like still battling some shoulder issues. Um, still doing PT uh, just about every day. And then I uh, had a warm up tournament last weekend, kind of just uh, feel out the shoulder, see how it's going to work uh, in tournaments as well as uh, through all my PT and shoulder um, work last year my putting motion has changed the most, um, because, um, my past wasn't really full of weightlifting and, uh, kind of bulking. So my shoulders are, are really weak as is. Um, and then over this last off season, my shoulder strength has has increased dramatically. So my putt is, um, probably the most affected. So, yeah. I took a little bit of getting used to last week or I guess two weeks ago now at the wide field open, um, came out really weak. Um, pretty much found myself on second to last card on a B tier, which for me, um, I mean, I shot like a nine thirty rated round, something like that. It was really, 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 really poor, uh, start to the season. Um, but then the second round I came out and shot like, 1018 jumped into oh, last geez. cash um, oh, kind of night and day kind of tournament um but jumped into last cash uh it felt a little better second round i i think i put like 90 percent from c1 
Um, and then kind of felt pretty good going into 303, kind of built on that that final round. Um, my my first round of 303, I played with, it was a pretty good card. Um, Jake Brown was on the card, uh, one of my good buddies from last year. And uh, well, we'll have to note him in our wild card picks, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. It, well, he's, he's, uh, I actually ran into him. I think I played with him at States last year, Colorado States in Pueblo. Um, that's where I ended up, I think, meeting him. And then, uh, I don't think I've played with him any other place, but uh, we get along pretty well and kind of he, he's got a good forehand backhand and, and I like to think that I do too. So we kind of feed off of each other's game. Um, unfortunately he didn't have the greatest of, well, he had a, he had a decent first round at three Oh three. Um, he probably wouldn't say so, but, um, it was really windy, gusty. Um, yeah. Conditions Friday weren't the best. It was, it was a little all over the place. So we started and it wasn't really that windy. Um, and I just started really, really slow, um, and sluggish. And I think, so out at, out at that safari slash like championship layout out there, um, it's a, it's a really, really long course. So it's like yeah. 9,600 feet, um, pretty much. And landing zones, OB, water. Yeah. yeah. And From what I saw on your first two days, there was a lot of blue on that card. Yeah, I had a lot of blue, and then there a were there were a couple couple, couple grays couple I saw on there too, but yeah. a lot of blue, which is good. Yeah, and you're scoring. Uh, it, it, I was scoring, and it was pretty much just the missed opportunities that held me back. Um, I started out the first nine plus two, unfortunately. Um, was after that the, was that the double? A couple birdies. What's that? Was that the double on like seven or eight or something yeah i took i took uh actually the first round i didn't have any doubles or or triples or anything um weird to say that because i did have some later in the tournament but um it was just like a couple just regular bogeys um that i three putt a hole which is not normally like me um i don't i like to just one putt holes um and there was that's fair. Way too many holes this weekend <laughs> that I, I two putt, if not three putt. So um, there was a lot of missed opportunities. But after round one, I finished the back nine strong, probably one of the strongest of the day. Um, yeah. Neg five on the back. And then I finished, you know, neg three on the day. Left me in 10th in place. So nice. Um, and then after round two, you were seventh place. Is that right? Uh, after round, round two, I think I shot. It was just over just over a thousand again. So I think it was, it was three... minus four. Is that right? Yeah. I shot minus four. Uh, day yeah, two actually was playing a little easier. Yeah. So... You were, your first round was higher rated than your second round. Yeah. Yeah. So second round kind of crazy. Kind of figured out the course Aaron shredded. Um, shot like minus 11 or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so, hey, man. That's yeah, right. Joel too. So crazy pants framing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I found myself tied for 11th um, after round two. So nice. still on the third card, which felt pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, for that being first bigger tournament since PT shoulder recovery. Yeah. 
yeah it's a solid way to battle back through yeah it felt good i mean my my game my my throws felt great um it's just i I'm, i'm battling on the green right now trying to figure out the routine figure out figure out the mental focus inside the circle again um so kind of a, a funny little story. Um, my first round back, uh, so at that B tier down at Widefield, um, I opened up the round and and my card was kind of laughing because I think I had 10 or 11 circle two putts out of 18, which is the most I've ever had. Like I just could not get in circle one. Yeah. So fortunately I, I, was 40% from circle two my first round. So I was, was going to say, for I, 10. I, that's that boosting right there. But like having 10 circle two looks and, and not having a circle one look until the 14th hole of the tournament um, didn't feel good. And that's kind of how my game has felt. Um, just not 100% dialed. Um, sometimes it shows up and, you know, you park holes that you've never even had birdie looks and like practice mm-hmm. rounds and stuff. But, um, I, I really haven't hit, hit any stride on the putting green. Um, just feel a little uncomfortable still. So, but well, uh, thankfully you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. I'm right there with you. Uh, I, I actually am right there with you as well. Whereas putting is yeah. normally a strong suit for me, but I'm, sure. uh, there's a, a, Good book by Dr. Bob Rotella. Uh, it's called Putting Out of Your Mind. And it's it's a golf book, but sure. it still applies. And it's yeah. like one of the few books that I've read more than once in my life because mm-hmm. I hate reading. But that's a great book. <laughs> maybe I should uh, read that. I, I don't I don't read often, but maybe I should read that book. Yeah, maybe I'll just find an audio book and I'll share it with you or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, at the end of last year, I, I kind of was putting out of my mind. I think I went. Like there was at one point in time, four out of five tournament rounds, I was a hundred percent from C1. Yeah. Like 50% from C2. Uh, it was pretty crazy for a while, but unfortunately I haven't gotten back to that kind of feel on the, on the putting green. So we'll get there soon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we actually had uh, a few questions about just like your game in general, since we're talking about putting, mm-hmm. uh, what is your what would you say is your putting style? Um, I think I think traditionally, so when I first started disc golfing, um I did more of a, a like a push putt, um, everything linear, um, basket arm, uh, you know, very up and down motion. Um it's kinda oh, and- I, I learned a lot from my my older brother and it was a very like up and down kind of motion. Um, had a little and more lob on the putt. So. Mind you, Mike, he's not short like us. He's six, <laughs> six, six, five. Uh, yeah. Six, five. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Mike, Micah kind of towers over us a little bit, so he has to look down at the basket. Whereas even when it's us, us average folk, we, <laughs> we, we, we're, you know, it's, that's uh, not as much of an issue for us. So, like so uh, say, putting up and down kind of makes a little more sense for you. Yeah, I like to say sometimes on the putting greens, <laughs> I have a disadvantage because I'm I feel like I'm looking down at the basket and yeah. and headwinds and tailwinds always get me because the nose of nose of my disc is naturally either down or I kind of compensate and put the nose up a little bit. So, um, 
it's it's kind of kind of like Ricky. He's like about probably what your height too. Yeah, I think he. I think Ricky's probably my height. Yeah, like six, six four, six, six five. five, and his putt is just it goes to the basket like this. It's just super yeah. nose down the whole way. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't understand it. Yeah, I think uh, I, I generally have a, a pretty flat putt, or try to try to at least have a flat putt because I think it it kind of battles the wind better, mm-hmm. um, left to right. Um, I, I like to like nose angle flat. Um, but I like to put on a little bit of hyzer. Um, and over time, my putt has turned more and more into more of a spush or more like a spin putt. Um, and that's just because I, I noticed that you, know, you got to be able to fight the wind. Um, you got to be able to putt in the wind and Especially the best way to do that is you know spin the disc and putt a little harder so yeah um yeah i've kind of moved more and more towards uh more of a spin putt i would say so, what what is your putter like what do you use to putt so i use uh the exo hard logic um i it's it's not not a putter that you see a lot of people putting with no. um and I used to putt P2s forever since I started pretty much. Um, way back in the day, I saw Simon putting with P2s, and and I'm like, well, I, P2s got to be the best. I best need to putter. be Simon. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, we all have gone through that phase as well. <laughs> yeah, like I I can put like Simon, I can put like Paul, right? So, um, but then I I didn't like the lack of glide um that some of the p2s had and you'd have to really beat in a p2 in order to get some glide um and then dismania came out with so i put with the p2 for a really long time um and then the dismania came out with the link um and i'm like you know the links links a pretty good putter it's lower profile yeah, that's really nice of you to say about me. Glide. I appreciate that. <laughs> but yeah, you you putt with a link and you're a pretty good putter with the link, that's for sure. So your purple links are pretty sweet. I'll those things are those things are pretty gnarly. I like them yeah. a lot. So and then they came out the logic, which is to me, it's like a link without a bead. A little more shallow um, than a P2. Yep. Yep. A little more shallow. It's got a lot that more glide. lip because I believe it's like a pure and a warden um combination so it's it's very low profile but it also is is more of a rounded rim um fits my hand really well and uh ever since they came out the logic i've i've switched to them um, and that's been how long now uh it's i think i've been putting with them for almost a full two years now nice. uh, maybe a, a good year and a half i've been putting with them so i like to say i started playing thousand rated golf when i started putting with the logic but unfortunately i can still shoot some low 900s <laughs> the logic that's it's all fair. right that's that's where we live so we know about <laughs> that all that range a uh, couple quick questions for you mm-hmm. how far from the basket would you say you're like 90 percent confident like what's the furthest away that you would say like 90 percent? and we can maybe tailor this back to like middle of last season we'll say yeah i would say you know when i'm when I was at, you know, my putting stride last year, um, when I practice putt and, and I practice putt quite a bit, um, I've rarely moved further back than 20 feet. Um, 
And it, it kind of goes back to when I was first getting into disc golf, Eagle started blogging. And he's like, if you make every single 20 footer, build that confidence, see the putt go in, um, you'll build the confidence to be able to make 30 footers, whatever. So I, I like to say, you know, when I'm practicing 20 footers, I try to make as many as I possibly can in a row. Um, and at the end of the year last year, it was pretty much, you put me 30 feet and in, and I could have counted it in the basket already. So when I step up to a tee pad, I'm like, okay, all I have to do is get it 30 feet from the basket. Your circle's a little right. bigger. So nice. But right now it's about 10 or 15. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then moving back, how far is it? till you're like 50% confident. Um, and then 10%, like where, where's your, yeah, I think your like limit probably like 40 feet. Um, if I'm just outside the circle, I feel like I'm probably going to make at least every other one. Um, maybe a little, little more than that when I'm feeling confident in my putt. Um, and then once you get, I mean, <laughs> there are certain points in time I can back up to 60 and I feel like I can, I can hit you know, every other putt. Um, but then I would say anywhere, anywhere length, lengthier putt within like circle two, I would say I'm probably making one out of every handful or two. So that like 10%, maybe 15, 10%. Um, I can attest to that. Yeah. I've seen it. I, there's, there's times where like, that 60 footer feels more like a 40 footer. Um, the logic is a very straight putter. Um, I can put it on a very similar line to a 20 foot putt and it can go 60 feet. So, um, also you putt a million miles an hour. So (laughs) I, I have been putting a lot stronger than I used to. (laughs) So (laughs) I can put a lot further. So when you get to those farther putts, I mean, even 40 feet, are you stepping? Are you keeping your same motion or are you jumping? Yeah, I think so. Like from 40 in, I don't step or fall forward or anything. Um, anything past 40 or if I have like an uphill lie or an awkward lie, I like to take like a little uh, jump step through um, kind of like uh, like a Paul Macbeth type of like jump on like the a same hop. foot, kind of hop forward. Yeah. Um, I've tried step putts. I've tried the like um, opposite foot step putts, kind of like a fall through putt like Robinson does, um, you know, Brody kind of does like that, like step through putt Ezra, um, Ezra, um, Conrad kind of does that now too. Um, he just leaps as far as he can. Yeah. His is a little more of a leap. Um, this isn't a step. It's a, it's a, it's a gallop. Like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I've tried all those and I just kind of lose the like consistency of the release. Um, so I kind of like to stick with that like athletic little hop step. Um, I try not to hop too far, but it's just to give myself a little more momentum. Yeah, sure. So nice. Uh, how far do you? And again, we're going to generalize this between like last season to now. Um, what's your golf distance backhand and golf distance forehand? Sure. Because um, you're a bomber. We just. We, we understand that you throw much further than us. Just uh, where, where would you say, like, what, how far is the hole that you're like, yep, I can reach that confidently and I'm not yeah. going to be concerned about, you know, spraying. Yeah. I, 
I mean, it, it really has changed since I moved to Colorado about two years ago. Um, I really forced myself to add distance because out here you have a lot of open holes and 450 plus par threes um, that in the Midwest, you don't normally have that type of kind of open space to really launch a disc. Um, so I pushed myself to learn how to throw harder. Um, I watch videos of myself throwing from years past and it just looks like I'm just throwing way too soft. Um, and I was probably throwing a little over 400 feet before moving out here. Um, within a year um, or two, I think I, I could easily say that 450 was pretty easy to get to. Um, now I like to say that, you know, if it's a foot, a 500 foot hole, um, I want to try to at least get a look at it. Um, unless there's, you know, something in the way or a two shot hole, something like that. But I would say you give me, give me a wide open 500 foot hole. Um, I'm probably going to, you know, be targeting circle two, at least trying to get it within, you know, putting range. And that's backhand, correct? Yeah. Backhand. Um, what's that forehand distance for you? Forehand distance. Um, I would say I could probably push something 400 feet right now. Um, last year it might've been 450. Um, I can four, 400 feet is kind of pushing it. And I'm really giving myself kind of like a pitch count of forehands right now. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately I've lost a lot of my forehand favorite discs. Um, they were like flippier nukes, um, kind of really glidey domey nukes. Um, I've lost them almost all of them. Oh, um, geez. Okay. Yeah. So good. <laughs> really trying to limit myself on distance forehands, no matter what. Um, right now, but if you needed to push a, a shot yeah, beforehand, you could say 400. Yeah. I think I could probably get in, in, you know, within the circle 400 foot shot. So, but distance line, if I'm really, really trying to launch a, an emperor or a nuke, um, I think two weeks ago I put a, I put a emperor like 580 feet, um, kind of on a distance line. Um, I don't know oh, back in. Oh, okay. So, I was going to say, dude. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't really throw distance lines very often. I, I like to throw like flat shots that are turning or just hyzer flips. Um, yeah. And I can say that I can probably get like a flat shot that like turns left, comes back like a, just an S line. Um, probably push it close to 500 feet, um, maybe like 470, 480, um, and not like spraying a field. Um, sure. But if I'm looking to like spray a field and all I have is distance and like a thousand foot hole, that distance line, I've, you know, I feel like I'm throwing further this year than I was last year for whatever reason. Um, So that's legit. Nice. Uh, Biggest strength of your game and biggest weakness. Um, Currently, what I would say, I'll start with weakness, is putting. Um, Putting consistency, just finding that routine. Um, The putting routine has always been a weakness of mine, and and I worked probably the the hardest last year on building a routine, kind of um, doing the same exact thing every single time you step up to a putt, whether it's a 10-foot putt or a 70-foot putt. Um, That's one thing that I'm going to be spending pretty much every single day on. Um, the next couple of weeks here as I kind of plug through some tournaments 
um, instead of focusing on, you know, pinpointing my drive, I've noticed that it's a lot easier to shoot better tournament rounds when your putt's feeling confident. Um, you'll step up to a hole and be like, I don't have to park that hole in order to birdie it. Um, so, um, strength of my game, uh, probably my fairway drivers, um, and newly found favorite, um, distance driver in my bag. So, um, those longer range shots, I seem to be hitting, you know, a lot cleaner. Um, I never really liked throwing distance drivers too much last year. Um, I had one nuke that I really liked to throw, unfortunately lost that at Maple Hill. Um, but I like throwing fairway drivers a lot and, um, recently started throwing the emperor and found some really nice emperors. Um, and, uh, some pretty ones too. What's that? Some pretty ones too. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're definitely pretty, um, and, and pretty unique, uh, with cool stamps and the halo emperor is really, really fun to throw. I would say kind of my driving accuracy right now, um, when it came to landing zones and everything throughout all of last weekend, um, at three Oh three, um, there wasn't many drives that I felt like I was out of control. So how, how was the course set up? I mean, I got, I watched some videos on it. Um, and, and then just being a lefty, how did it, um, suit your game? Do you think it was fair? Do you think it was biased towards righties? Like, what's yeah, your thought on that? I, I was a little concerned when I heard, uh, Joe, uh, kind of helped design the course. Um, I was a little concerned because yeah. Joe throws a lot of power righty backhands and yeah. I'm like, Oh no, I'm going to have to have a power lefty forehand, which I do not have right now. Yep. Um, but he was really fair to the lefties. I think, um, I found myself throwing more forehands than, than I wanted to. Um, but really not out of reach. Um, so it was, it was really fair. I would say, um, there wasn't, um, I, I, I have a harder time noticing whether a course is very righty friendly or, or lefty friendly. Um, I mean, there isn't really a lefty friendly course, but, no. um, yeah, I was going to say, let me know when you find one. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know of one, but some might say USDGC. I've never been out there, but it always mm. happens to be those righty forehand players or like, you know, Nathan Queen and James Conrad play really well out there and they're only righty backhand. So um, I feel like I've heard that lefties enjoy that course. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, there's um, only a few of us, so we got to stick together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, take advantage when we got them. So yeah. and, lefty and it's love, always, baby. it always puts so much pressure on that one lefty hole. There's, you know, o- you there's step always up to that one. one lefty hole and it puts so much pressure on that one shot. It's like I get to throw Heiser now. Yeah. I've been throwing Anheuser's and straight shots all day. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So. Well, but. we've talked a lot about your bag already. Uh, do we want to do a quick run through of the bag? Yeah. Yeah. We can, uh, can kind of guide you through it, ask you questions about different sections and mm-hmm. you can just tell us what you're using and uh yeah so um i mean i can work my way up since i already talked about the putter yeah you um, got the logic you're putting yeah, I, put, I put with the logic i also throw the logic 
Um, oh, actually, so... I should interject real quick. Mm -hmm. uh, ladies and gentlemen, Micah is sponsored by Infinite Discs out of Logan, Utah, which yes. been to the factory a couple times. It's actually really cool to go to. Uh, and you've been sponsored by them. This is year two now. Yeah, this is this is the second year. Um, feeling so your bag is going to be a little different in that you're trying to force as many infinite molds or, or I guess kind of well, can you talk us through that process of like when you're building your bag, are you going infinite first and then finding something else or, or what's that process look like for you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, what I would say is a lot of the infinite molds kind of felt like they just fit my game really well. Um, and I'm not just biased because of that. Um, I used to throw all this mania. Everything was this mania. You know, and you're falling. not getting paid more for saying that on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not, <laughs> not getting paid anymore. <laughs> um, no, I, I threw a lot of disc mania and I never really went out of my shell to, to throw different brands. Um, actually the first brand that I threw outside of like a disc mania disc, as I kind of, uh, progressed, you know, into my professional uh, status, I would say was the buzz. Um, and I started throwing the buzz and I'm like, why have I not thrown the buzz? <laughs> like it's a fantastic disc. I've never thrown this before. I'm like, it just does exactly what I want to. And I'm like, kind of thinking to myself, Hey, there's other discs out there that could probably take my game to the new level. So, you know, I started throwing the zone and I'm like, well, I feel like the buzz added 10 points to my rating. And then I started throwing the zone and that added another 10 points to my rating because it just opened up parts of my game. Um, then I started, you know, kind of venturing into other molds and, um, last year it got sponsored by infinite. I'm like, well, let me kind of do the same thing. I'll try out some infinite molds. Um, really, really love their fairway lineup. Um, mid ranges and and slower um i haven't really found a connection with any of the infinite molds yet um play around contiki contiki is really fun <laughs> uh, that is a really fun disc um it's kind of one of my i don't even claim that it's in my bag um yeah. it's in my bag for practice rounds and the whole six stuff. at prickly pines <laughs> yeah yeah i could just throw a flat and it just, all it does is just turn over so, um, there are, there are definitely discs like that, that infinite has that are just incredibly fun to throw. Um, I don't find them in my bag when it comes to tournament day, but sure. practice rounds, rack rounds, they're, you know, a lot of fun discs that I, that I currently don't bag, but, you know, I have a handful of them that I, I like to take and, you know, either have people try them out, stuff like that. So, um, so you're but, kind of seeing as, you know, if the infinite mold will work for you and yeah. if not, you're kind of going back to what you've found yeah, to be I'm not, successful. I'm not forcing, forcing infinite molds into my bag, but what I've noticed is a lot of them are, they kind of fit my throwing style and I'll use those. Infinite has a ton of molds. So if it happens to fit my style or I'm looking for a certain type of throw that I'm trying to incorporate in my game, you know, I'll, I'll go reach out to the guys at infinite and be like, Hey, like, what do you think about the new Roman or the rays? Um, and the they'll Roman. get me a nice one. The, the Roman I believe is, is like a Thunderbird or a PD. Um, oh. mm. so they'll be coming out with that 
uh pretty soon and uh the race is like a avr3 x3 yeah type i think of it's thing a, it's like an avr3 i would say yeah um unfortunately it's a little domey or the ones that i got were a little domey um yeah it but it, wasn't it, it's didn't definitely feel fun amazing in my hand yeah it but you like the czar right i do like the czar um unfortunately it has a little overlap um i used to bag a, a handful of czars and i'm like well now i have these emperors that are awesome and the czar's 11 speed it's like a kind of like a wraith i would say um there was a little too too much overlap i like it i, I like keeping one of the halo czars in my bag yet um just as a little less left to right movement um it's a little more neutral i would say um but Once I get my hands on a, on a few more, um, few more Roman, uh, Romans, then I'll be, uh, probably throwing them a little bit more as a control driver, but, um, yeah, no, infinite's been, been really good to me. Um, I, I like a lot of the molds, um, and, and I've only been filling more and more of them in. So, yeah, well, we've kind of been bouncing around. Mm -hmm. We want to go fairways while we're there, while we're talking Yeah, infinite. well, I, I think we're we're probably closer to the 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 higher speeds, lower. So, um, I'll I'll kind of just go with like the distance drivers right now. So, um, I've alluded to the Emperor. Um, it's more of the uh, newest of additions to my bag. Um, Kind of taking that nuke spot. kind of, uh, kind of, sorta. Um, Nukes or right, nukes still in the bag. nukes are still in the bag i still bag three nukes um for four hands really only Oh, um something about for a while i wasn't sure if 12 speeds were really my favorite or if 13s were um i threw the nuke for the last two years and i really really liked it um and just in the process of losing a few nukes that i really liked and kind of uh not feeling necessarily comfortable with the stability of some of my nukes. I'm like, well, let me try out some, some emperors in the off season. I was, as I was coming back and um, it seemed like I, I got my hands on, on some good ones that have some nice pop out of the hand. And I never actually had any like snap um, on a 12 speed coming out of my hand. Um, but some of my emperors, I, I can actually hear it like, like actually hear a audible snap coming out of my hand, which happens for like fairways and lower. Um, but I think just some of the emperors that I happen to get my hands on, um, you know, fit my hand well, they throw well. Um, so luckily I have a couple backups of, of some of the domey emperors I have. Um, so nukes and emperors kind of take over my distance driver and then that one czar. So, um, that kind of fills out I, I have multiple stabilities of, of both the nuke and the emperor. So, um, And I then think I, I probably I'm. bag, I think it was like five emperors right now. So, Oh, geez. Yeah. Do you have different plastics or is it just the level of wear? Yeah. So I have, I have three halo emperors, um, kind of my go-to halo emperor, um, is this like red and orange, um x out halo emperor that i got it's really domey um and i got a, a couple more of them um and the red and orange ones seem to be like a completely different dome different feel than 
the other halos which were really really stable um and the ones that had a lot more dome have a ton of glide um but they're still stable so they can fight winds uh you can really really hammer on them and they always come back um but they have a ton of glide um it's probably probably my furthest hyzer throwing so i leaned on it a lot this last weekend um it was kind of my first tournament throwing it um because i didn't need it at my my starting tournament of the year um, wide fields and, fairway course for you yeah yeah fairways and and my buzzes um i throw a lot of them um but that emperor i really really leaned on it was a it's a orange rim and a red center um so if you're looking to get into emperors <laughs> um find those ones find those they're, I think they're the best, the best throwing Halo Emperors that that I have right now. But cool. um, the other ones, I have some Eye Blend, um, okay, which is more like a pro slash Eco Star slash just like a little bit. It, it's like not really a baseline plastic, but it flies really nice out in Colorado. Um, yeah, if you're looking to get something that that'll actually have some glide and hold a straight line, so. Cool. But, and then fairways uh, are, like you said already, that are pretty infinite heavy, which yes. I can attest. I actually very much enjoy the infinite lineup. I was going to bag the Centurion for USAMs, but I honestly found that they were going too far <laughs> for what I wanted a seven-speed disc to do. They were going as far as far almost as far as my escapes, and there was like, there's not really a reason to bag both of them. Yep. So I went with something that wasn't getting as much distance. But the Centurion that you gave me, that color glow green one. Yeah. It is nice and stable for me and I can rip on it and it goes a good ways. Yeah. I I love the Centurion. Um I bag two right now. Um because um kind of my fairway lineup is it's it's all infinite and i've really really loved the centurion the exodus and the scepter i think they all complement each other really well um it's it's why i have a hard time putting in that like nine ten speed driver um mm -hmm. the centurion the goes so far um yeah. and the exodus also goes really far um the exodus is probably like my go-to uh, fairway for everything um if i even if i don't know if i should be throwing a fairway driver or a distance driver i'll just throw an exodus um it, i can push it out past 400 feet if i want to sometimes and it's a seven speed i've never yeah. been able to say that with a seven speed um until i started throwing the exodus a little bit more um i used to throw fds a lot um yeah it centurion, feels like the centurion and like exodus are like fd fd2 or old fd2 is is it similar in that regard to you and yeah. then also like the scepter being like an fd3 essentially yeah i think so so the scepter is very much like a firebird the flat top firebirds um, which mr harris of, bags a scepter yeah so scepters are are awesome probably my most thrown disc this weekend yeah. um was my um drew gibson color glow uh scepter what um, color did you throw a and pink one okay. so i have pink blue and yellow 
Um, but the pink one is probably my favorite thrower right now. And actually I have a few more back here kind of as backups for those once they, once the pink one kind of, uh, wears in a little too much, but it's that, that pink scepter, the scepter in general is probably my, my most thrown disc this weekend between the three that I bag, um, just because the winds come up and then I'm throwing, a you know, incredibly overstable scepter just feel comfortable throwing my flippy scepter because it kind of flies like a thunderbird. Um, so mm -hmm. um, I throw the scepter a lot. And then I have a two Exodus in my bag, which unfortunately I lost my favorite Exodus um, in a practice round before 303. Um, it was the one with the team stamp Lincoln with the, uh, with my like signature right above it. Um, oh, it dang. Was, you... Yeah. My longest tenured, um, uh, infinite, infinite disc, disc in my bag daggum where is it at well, let's go swimming <laughs> it was it was in the rough um i i even had the throw on video and just could not find it <laughs> really um, looked for it for about an hour and a half um, wow the course got too dark and there was a lot of uh rampant homeless people on the course and they kind of kind of made me leave the course early and I never got that one back. So it's Dang. out there somewhere. Um, I do not. Or some hobos having a good time playing disc yeah. golf. Hey, yeah. Look at hey. this Micah disc. Hey, he, if he enjoys it, I'll, all the best to him. So, but <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of got backup one now. Um, <clears throat> I throw a lot of color glow discs in that fairway slot. They feel really good. That newer color glow. We're we're big fans of the color glow plastic on this podcast. Yeah, that's that's good. So it's it's probably my favorite plastic to throw um, when it comes to the fairways for sure. So um, that kind of completes the. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. This is, this is a oh. mica special right here, color glow <laughs> FD three, which is color my glow favorite mold of all time. Yeah, it's that's a great disc. I I remember having a handful of those and working my way through a few. So. Um, oh yeah yeah those were really nice um so that's that's pretty much fairways for you right yep yep mid-rangers so we I already do. know there's the buzz does yeah. the buzz have a partner <laughs> so everything buzz and lower um i haven't found an uh infinite mold that i really like um to consistently throw um there's been some that have come in and out but the buzz um i have three buzzes in my bag of different stabilities. And I also have a buzz OS. Um, oh, so the buzz OS is more for when like the winds come up. If I need something that will only go 350 feet and never any further. Um, like I can just hit the buzz OS as hard as I want. And I know it's never going to flip over. Um, if a wind comes up and I need something that's faster than a zone, um, I'll just throw the buzz OS, but I've been, I, I've, it's kind of been in and out of the bag. And finally I just realized that I need it more than I don't. So, um, but I, I bag a four claw buzz, which is really stable. So it's just kind of a step mm -hmm. under the buzz OS. Um, I found a blue one that's really stable back in the day and I still throw it and it's really stable. And then, yeah, that's a, I like that buzz. And then kind of my legendary Terry Roethlisberger buzz um, that he gave me it was 2021 tour series Roethlisberger ESP buzz. 
Um, it's got the most throws in my bag um, since the since before the 2021 season. That disc is kind of legendary in my bag. Um, it's kind of dead straight at this point in time in Colorado. So it's at sea level is probably pretty flippy now. Um, and then I, I, I just have like a, a flippier ESP, really old ESP buzz um, for straight shots. It kind of flies like a buzz, uh, like a, like an understable buzz, some that like drifting, um, drifting mm -hmm. shot, kind of like a buzz SS in a sense. Um, but that's, that's kind of my fairway or my, my mid ranges. It's just controlled by the buzz right now. So, yeah, which is um, pretty common to see a mid range section kind of just be one or two discs. Yeah. Yeah. And for especially a while, when you have so like, many in stages of wear and exactly. You know. And, and when it comes to like mid ranges and lower, you're not really losing them because you're not throwing them on like blind shots around corners and crazy distance lines and over the water right. necessarily. So I fortunately haven't really lost any mid ranges and lower. Um, to to say you know i have to switch to chariot or something like that and mm -hmm. I, i've tried the chariot out i'm just not not a huge fan um but the buzz just has never done me wrong so nice um have you tried like any other companies than the buzz like than dismania or discraft yeah. um i actually I mean, have have tried the the mvp hex um a little bit this off season which was right. really fun to throw um yeah. i i seem to remember this. you liking the pathfinder yeah the path <laughs> i did for a few throws i did really like the pathfinder um <laughs> it, it, to give context we played a course down in the springs that was kind of wooded and he threw the buzz and it hit like a, it didn't go where he wanted it to right and i was like dude you need to just throw the pathfinder and so he's like, all right, fine. So he throws the Pathfinder and he parks it. And so yeah. then like the next two times that he threw the buzz, I was like, no, you need to throw the Pathfinder. And then he threw the Pathfinder and parked it. Yeah, so I, like, I think I don't think I've ever played a hole with a Pathfinder and haven't parked it. So, um, <laughs> so which is like what, three I or four holes. Yeah, maybe I, my percentage yeah. with the Pathfinder is incredible. So <laughs> maybe I should get a Pathfinder. Lean on statistics. We're playing Moneyball here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe in the future I I'll I'll try out a Pathfinder. I know that it is isn't it a smaller diameter mid range. Mm -hmm. So yep, just, it's which I like because I have unique. tiny baby hands, but you're six five, so you don't really have that issue. Yeah, I I honestly I I don't mind it. You know, smaller diameter is less chance of hitting a tree. So <laughs> um, play the statistics, baby. Statistics game. Yeah. So um. But yeah, it's just like, to well, kind of finish off the rest of my bag, um, we yeah, talked putters. about the logics, um, but I throw the zone backhand and forehand. Um, I have a 2020 Tour Series zone that I throw uh, kind of all over the place. Um, it, and it's got the one of the sickest stamps on it. Do you have it next to you or is it in the truck? Uh, it's in my truck. Uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a quick ball, um, like a Pokeball uh, nice. stamp on the desk it's a brian Earhart tour series zone wiped with a dope pokeball stamp on it yeah it's a uh, it, it which this it is a, a fantastic buzz zone, right here but, oh yeah i think i think it zone um that, there, that yeah. zone, zone right there is probably my favorite throwing uh favorite throwing zone uh when it comes to which run what so. about these these are the 2019s 
the twenty nineteens. I don't think I ever threw them. These uh, ones are stable. I I that twenty twenty zone is actually the first zone that I. That's when I started throwing the zone. So um, I never threw anything before it. Um, I have some that I've gotten, um, but I I like the yeah. How do how do the um, the six claw zones throw? They're uh, pretty much just a stock ESP zone. Yeah, yeah. So it, which is good. Like it yeah. flies like you want an ESP zone to fly. It's not super beefy, right? So it flies pretty true out of the box. But they're a little like this one's a little bit more puddle topped, which I enjoy. And then this Ezra Glow Zone is a lot of puddle top, which is really nice. Sure, sure. Yeah. I, and uh, is the Zone OS making an appearance in your bag? Uh. It eventually might. Um, Have you thrown one yet? I I've only seen them thrown. I haven't really even like attempted to like even grab one. Um, <laughs> I saw well, one of my buddies Isaac was throwing one this last weekend, and he loves it. Um, we'll, we'll go. We'll we'll play, and I'll let you throw this guy. It's it's stupid, it's overstable. Like yeah, sometimes you need that though. Right, um, which is like I was like, nah, it's not gonna make my bag. I'm not even gonna need it. Yeah. And then I figured out, oh, if I throw it at less power, I can actually get it to kind of move the way I want to. Mm-hmm. But if you throw it with, you know, a lot of speed, then <laughs> it just like, it just does a mini tilt move and it's, just dumps out on you. Yeah, it's one of those that like the tilt itself, like the harder you throw a tilt, the more stable it is. Yeah, um, it doesn't make sense, but yeah. it's actually kind of, kind of sick. Yeah. So, um. I do throw a P2 yet. Um, it was out of the bag for a while and I was throwing the Envy and then I'm like, eh, like I don't really like the Envy. You were throwing the Alpaca, um, correct? I was throwing the Alpaca for a while too. Um, and then I just have this trusty Sky God 3 um, that's been in my bag since it came out. Um, it's got a handful or more aces on it. I just, <laughs> it's just... Humble I brag. To, like, can make it Anheuser, can make it Heiser at any level of elevation so um that one will probably stay in the bag until it breaks right so (laughs) um, the sky gun yeah so again color glow plastic yeah yeah and then the last thrower that i have is a an exosoft logic um that has surprisingly um been thrown a ton um versus the sky god um because of how straight it is as well as how soft it lands on the greens is it um, understable or is it just pretty straight it's understable um what i like to do is just kind of like soft toss it down there was a couple really tight gap shots um in some of the holes out at 303 and i just like to put it on a ton of like not a ton of hyzer but let's say it's like you know 10 degree or 15 degree hyzer um and it just stands up straight and it just goes dead straight. So um, I've really liked the throwing the, the Exosoft logic and I can't wait. Hopefully they come out with a premium plastic pretty soon. So yeah, I'm surprised they haven't. Mm-hmm. I would think pretty soon they will. So nice. Mike, any questions on the bag before we move into some dealer's choice esque questions? Not really. Um, the only thing would be like, when do you decide to replace a disc in your bag and cycle a new one in? And also, do you change your bag very much for different elevations? Like we know you're in Colorado, that adds a little bit of stability. 
um, are you changing it up significantly or you just rely on those more overstable discs? That's a great I question. Think... Yeah, no, that, that is a great question because I do travel every year for a tournament here or there. Um, and also for work on sea level. Yeah. And traveling for work. Um, you know, I, I end up, you know, leaning more on the overstable disc that I don't throw very often out here. And they generally fly, you know, a lot further. Um, and they actually can shape shots. So, um, would you say they fly further at low elevation or at higher elevation? I, I personally think that this, um, my furthest, my furthest throw that I've ever uh, thrown was at lower elevation. Um, and I think it's mm. just because I don't naturally have a ton of understable discs. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> um, a lot of my discs end up fading <laughs> out. So <laughs> um, it's fair. Yeah. And, and the disc Colorado. make it very long in my bag to get beat up and and really glidy and understable i end up throwing them on crazy lines and losing them before that so um i i personally think that i can throw a little bit further back in you know the midwest or something because because of the ability to shot shape i don't know if it's because of the thinner air out here maybe you can can throw further but um what i've noticed is maybe i can throw a little bit further in the lower elevations just because of shot shape ability so nice um but just to answer your question michael um what i would say when i think about replacing a disc or adding a new disc to my bag um i don't i don't like to do anything during the season um necessarily um unless it's a disc that you know, I used to throw or one that cycled its way out of the bag or for whatever reason, I stopped throwing it. Um, but like to add a brand new disc into the bag, um, if I lose a disc, then obviously you got to replace it. Um, but generally it's if, let's say it's my scepter and my scepter starts flipping over or starts doing things that I don't want it to do. Um, and I need a new S blend, uh, scepter, um, that'll just push straight and then hyzer, um, mine right now will push straight. It'll turn a little bit and then it'll hyzer. Um, if I feel like I don't have that shot anymore, um, something that fits my game, then I'll go to my, you know, stack of scepters and be like, all right, which one do I want to go out to the field, try some, which one do I want to, you know? fill into that slot yeah. and just start growing trust with it a little bit. So. Nice. And Micah works a full-time job, but also plays more disc golf than <laughs> a lot of people. Then. I mean, I wish I could play as much disc golf as he does. Yeah. I granted I don't play as I've much got as two, I've to. got two kids and uh, <laughs> Micah's living that bachelor life right now, but yeah, no, no kids over here, but um. What I would say is I try to keep my work-life balance um, stronger by, by staying engaged in disc golf. Um, I do work a pretty stressful and heavy workload type of job as an engineer, um, you know, about 50 hours a week. Um, but then 
you know, normally head straight to a, well, hopefully more tags matches, but like straight to a course, get some putting in. Or if I feel like I need to leave the office around lunch, I'll just go to the nearest course and I'll putt for, you know, 30 minutes and just kind of take a break. Um, so it's always been that kind of relief. It used to be school. Now it's work. Um, kind of serves the same purpose for me. Nice. Dick. Um, I love that we've he heard a little of the Midwesterner <laughs> or North Midwesterner uh, sneak in talking about his big a little bit Damn in there. Bag. So uh, <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. I don't sure. feel like it comes out too much. Maybe it's just because you're tired and we're recording this later in the evening but yeah. uh couple fun questions mm -hmm. like in the bag s questions before we uh turn it to you for a couple of pointers for us a little two minute drill action um who or was there a player that you modeled your game after as you were coming up in the sport yeah uh i mean i I feel like uh, it's between Simon and Paul. Um, I like to say that I used to like to try to take those crazy lines like Simon and like for no reason at all, take a over the top shot when there's a gap right in front of you or try to throw down a roller with a disc that you shouldn't be rolling. Um, <laughs> that makes the, that makes the game fun. Right. But when it comes to, you know, you want to, break your course record or you want to beat your brothers. Um, I always tried to focus on like kind of how Paul Macbeth carries himself on the course. Um, he's the Tiger Woods of disc golf, right? He's the yeah, guy that you want to model your it. game off of. Um, he's very professional. He kind of seems to do everything, you know, the right way when it comes to playing. Um, he's and... also got a couple of uh, pretty solid like Tiger fist pump moments oh yeah such absolutely. as usdgc last year absolutely that playoff i felt like that was very tiger-esque you know USDGC, like you see uh the world championships last year when he hit that like 100 footer um yeah. oh yeah. my gosh on like 16 yeah. or 17 or whatever yeah. it was and yeah. unfortunately it was to to beat one of my good buddies aaron but yeah i i've always loved the way that you know paul carries himself on the course um fortunately been able to meet him like once when I was younger and like have talked to him briefly through Joey Tamale on the phone and stuff like that. But, um, he's kind of he... just the guy that I've like, if he's in contention, I'd you like for? to, you know, I'd, I'd like to just root for him. Right. So, nice. and Micah is pretty well connected within the disc golf community as in, I believe you said that your best friend growing up was, or maybe not growing up, but one of your best friends is Terry Roethlisberger. You're close with a couple other players on tour. Like you said, you're friends with Aaron Gossage. You're, you're pretty well connected within the disc golf community. Yeah. Um, just through, you know, sometimes friends of friends, sometimes it just kind of, you know, falls on my plate. Like last year, making a lead card at three Oh three, you know, mm -hmm. you get to play with Joel Freeman, Kyle, Kyle Klein, Klein you know, Aaron and just sometimes being able to play with the guys, uh, in a round, it's like, you know, one of those moments that growing up, you're watching Jomez or you're watching central coasts or gatekeeper. And then all of a sudden you find yourself on a gatekeeper card last year. And it was like, Whoa, like 
hang on. Like if I was like a 12 year old Micah, like I would have probably been watching this coverage. Um, so it was, it was kind of cool in that sense and being able to play with these guys and maybe going out to last year, I played a silver series at Belton, um, and was able to caddy for Terry, um, at Waco and see Casey white. Who's a good buddy of mine from Minnesota and on tour. And anytime he's, you know, around town being able to see Casey white's great, you know, um, part of, yeah. you know, you know, the, the whole disc golf community and then, um, through them meeting Simon or meeting, you know, Emerson or Joel Freeman or people like that, you know, being able to meet those people in person outside of disc golf. Um, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's unique, you know, growing up feeling like, Oh yeah, it'd be cool to meet those people someday. And then, you know, having their, you know, having them recognize you on a, on a course is pretty cool. It also helps a little bit that you're a uh, 990 plus rated and can <laughs> hang with them. I heard for, uh, like a, a good amount of time. Real, yeah, I heard uh, Joel Freeman say something this last weekend on the practice screen. He said something like, if only your rating made you play better. Right. So <laughs> fortunately, sure, but you it just it paints play. the picture that yeah. you have the capability to yeah. hang with those types of players. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, praying that i can break even at the toboggan whereas that's a course <laughs> where you know a player of your level would probably shred pretty well i like to think so but i think um you know i was humbled by a couple courses around colorado which is you know in the past few weeks and uh i would like to say i i could shred. ride the waves um, but yeah as as long as as long as I don't have to throw a bunch of forehands like I had to do out at Maple Hill, um, I would See, like that, to say I could give myself. That, that's the course where I'm like, mm, let me throw a bunch of forehands. I I, uh, I wouldn't say I'm a forehand specialist, but I it is an equal strength of my game. Maple Hill is probably the most ready friendly course I've played. So you got to you got to have a, a lot of uh, clockwise spinning discs on that course. I like to say so. <laughs> good way to phrase it a uh, couple other ones for you what is your favorite mold of all time and then also run of that mold um that's a good question uh the p2 the p2 got me i never threw backhands before i started throwing a putter backhand um mm. so i i remember seeing simon and paul throwing the p2 and actually the wall in front of me is full of a bunch of Paul Macbeth P2s that this one, this is like a Paul Macbeth P2 S line um, P2 S line P2. It was my favorite disc when I was younger. I have like a disc with, I think it's like eight or nine aces on it. It's a Paul Macbeth P2. Um, and your collection is pretty extensive, which leads me to my next question, which is what is the most valuable disc you own? And maybe we'll go value to you, but, and then also dollar value. Yeah. My bo most valuable to me. And I think I know exactly where it is. Um, <laughs> it would be that P2 that I just said, um, I was just looking at it the other day. The ace um, it's kind of full of aces. 
So I wrote oh, all my aces on it. Um, <laughs> those are all, I mean, for, for you audience listeners, uh, or audio listeners in the audience, uh, the entire bottom of the rim in the full two lined circle is full of ace. Yeah. I started having to go to a third line. Um, so I filled <laughs> the rim and then I filled two circles. So. Oh, I didn't even see the rim. Yeah. The rim is, is also full. The first, oh, jeez. So, oh um, but so that's probably like, the most valuable to you. What about that's the, most the most dollar value? Um, when it comes to like dollar value, I think I have some, I have like a, a pretty unique, um, it's like a McPro AVR with like bottom stamp of all of his rounds from, I believe it was like his highest average rating uh, season or something like that. Was it that. the season that he never finished outside of the podium except for like once? I think so. Um, but it's incredibly swirly and I could probably get a pretty penny for it. But then again, there's probably a lot of dismania discs that I have um, like, glow this glow that of really old runs of md3s yeah or something yeah, the, like that the that claw I, md3s yeah that i probably or like i heard that some of the iron samurai ones that i have could go for a couple hundred now um and i'm like thinking to myself man i used to throw those right <laughs> like i have a i have a stack of you know iron samurai ones and twos there that i used to throw and i'm like man like maybe they're better sold but like <laughs> they've helped well, me win some you know fun tournaments or fun rounds and they mean more than me than you know a hundred bucks to sell yeah. it right so yeah. so michael the disc rack behind him that's kind of like used stuff that's not uh, collector stuff oh I'm he's sure. got he's got bins with all the discs in like bags and they're he let me kind of just i didn't fully go through all of them but he, <laughs> he like pulled probably like i don't know a couple dozen like oh yeah look at this one and oh yeah look at this one i'm just like dude this is thousands of dollars worth of yeah. like yeah i don't rare I don't discs. Let a lot like, of people see those discs so. <laughs> it was pretty cool awesome. i was kind of geeking out but also a little bit nervous that uh i was gonna ruin one i, I also have like a I had a weird kind of phase of buying the James Conrad JC AVRs. Mm -hmm. um, and I have like a stack of them. The um, JC JKs. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know why, but like every time I saw one, it was like, you know, 12 bucks or 15 bucks. And I'm like, well, why not? Like, <laughs> you know, they're, they're going to be worth something someday. So I just like found myself having a stack of the JC AVRs, right? They feel great, but I will probably never throw them. It's just like a, it's, I like to call it just my card collection. So yeah. you know, people collect cards, these discs, I don't know if I ever really want to sell them. They we collect just, discs. Yeah. Yeah. So That's sick. Do you remember when you were starting, you said your older brother played, right? Yeah. Um, yep. Do you remember kind of what the first, discs that you got your hands on like was or were yeah it was a whammo frisbee um <laughs> nice so we would go as a family and my dad had a disc and we had frisbees and um it was like a, a whammo frisbee i remember there was an early 
it was a course in Wisconsin that um, I actually got to play uh, a couple weeks ago when I was at home. Uh, it was the first course I ever remember playing with the family. And um, this is probably maybe I'm like 10 years old, 12 years old, something like that. And um, I remember saying, you know, going out with a friend, uh, a family friend, Jordan, um he was into disc golf and so was my older brother they were the same age and they had like this i don't even think it was a destroyer back then it was like a t-bird and my brother had a gator um and a viking or something like that and just walking around with them like brother wouldn't let me throw a disc because i couldn't throw it very far and it's like <laughs> we're at this course called ohauser or something some course in wisconsin and there's like a marsh carry and it was like 150 feet. My dad, my okay. brother's like, no, you can't throw it. Cause you can't, you can't clear that marsh. Like, so down the road, um, I ended up getting my own disc and it was a Walmart, uh, DX archangel. Um, I still have it to this day. Awesome. Um, the flight plates all cracked up and everything. It's, it's in, it's in you one of my bins. Lose that one. What's that? You didn't lose that one? Well, it's been passed around amongst my family, um, but like, it still has my name. I got lost completely. <laughs> I, I, water, I definitely Texas, lost a lot of a lot of the discs that I that really meant a lot to my game back in the day in the water. Um, and I mean, the whole disc golf community laughs at this disc, but the the champion groove. Um, I had found one on a course. It said Mary on the bottom. Um, I was, I don't know that I was really young. Um, have you been probably, searching for Mary ever since? Yeah. Long lost Mary. Um, all it said was Mary on the bottom and it was a tie dye champion groove. Um, that disc probably got me into disc golf, nice. um, until I threw it in the water, um, threw it in the water and, a year later on the same course, I found the same exact disc. It's a Mary on the bottom and it was a champion groove and it was dyed and it was the same exact disc. And I found it on a different hole, but I definitely tossed it in the water. Um, <laughs> no way. And that's awesome. Summer later, I threw it to the water again, but it's just, somebody it else has probably done the same thing now to it. Huh? Yeah, it just, it was never meant to be um, the champion champion groove was really kind of a funny disc um that got me into disc golf i used to just when i was little and i just wrench over on forehands and it would just go forever but um i actually won a unsanctioned rec tournament when i was a kid with my brother gave me an eco star groove um and wow. I, that's the only disc i had and it's the only disc i threw and it was one disc putted with it I putted with it. Oh I, my god, that's I awesome! Would throw forehand rollers with it to go left because I never threw backhands. Um, it was an Eco Star Groove, and I it was a green one, and my brother had that. And um, but after that, I mean, uh, you know, high school hit. My older brother and his cross country friends used to play disc golf a lot in, in our high school town. And then he started inviting me along and that kind of just started. I mean, story goes from there, right? Nice. I just kind of fell in love. We've all, we've all hit that point where it's just like, man, you just can't buy enough, can't yeah. buy enough discs or, you know, so. When did you finally, well, I'm a, I'm just going to guess you're better than him right now, right? 
<laughs> when yes. <laughs> when did your level overtake his? And how pissed was he? <laughs> um man, he probably remembers it a little bit more because we're all really competitive. Um and two, two older brothers? I have an older brother and a younger brother. Younger brother. Um, okay. We used to go play this small nine hole course with uh, a front nine, back nine in Horicon, Wisconsin. Um, and we'd try to just chase down the best score there. And it was when I think I broke the course record there. Um, and I don't even remember what score it was. It was like 14 down or something like that at this course. Dang. Um, and I think I beat him by like two strokes or something like that. And and that's when I remember being like, man, like he, he probably still beat me like, you know, two out of three rounds at that point in time. But, you know, it was when my game was on, like I could, you know, I could beat anyone on the course. Right. So, yeah. um, but it, it, it wasn't really like, oh man, like one summer hit and all of a sudden I was better than him. Um, it was, we both got into tournaments at the same exact time. I think it was 2014. Uh, maybe it was more than that. Maybe it was later than that. Um, but we both got our like PDGA numbers really close to each other. Um, and I think I started playing tournaments in 2017. Um, like actual sanctioned tournaments. Um, and then I, I just kind of, he, he, we were all in school and, and, uh, you know, I moved out to college and disc golf was kind of all I did outside of school. Um, so I got, I got pretty good at it uh, nice. around that time. So, so I'd say you're pretty good at it, but whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I remember there was there was some rounds. Uh, I went to school in Winona, Winona, Minnesota. Um, there were some rounds. That's fun that to say. Like, yeah, Winona, yeah. Minnesota. Winona, Minnesota. Um, there were some rounds that were just like I remember to this day, and it was you know five, six years ago. I remember certain rounds where I shot like seventeen down with two aces or something like that. Wow. And there were just some crazy rounds and, and then all of a sudden I'm like, you know, like, I just really want to be like compete at the highest level. So I started playing in, uh, you know, advanced tournaments, um, got done with college and I'm like, okay, one more advanced year. Cause now I can actually focus on disc golf and see how it goes. And then I'll move up to pro, um, ended up winning the majestic amateur, um, in Minnesota, which is probably the biggest well-known, uh, amateur tournament in Minnesota, maybe, maybe Minnesota AMS, but majestic is at BRP and it's just an amazing mm, course, amazing yeah. tournament. And I happened to win that. And after that, I'm like, you know, I won the Minnesota AM, uh, majestic and it felt great, but like, the professional players played the weekend after and they would have completely kicked my butt. Right. So <laughs> it didn't feel like I was like, like I actually won. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, you know what? I need to play against professionals and the, the highest level in order to feel like 
<laughs> I'm actually going to win. Right. Yeah. So um, that's kind of where I started making that, that jump. Nice. Fine. Here's a question. Why isn't blue ribbon pines on the disc pro tour? Um, Is it not good enough for there's, there's a couple <laughs> semi gimmicky holes. Short answer. It's not. Um, I mean, because it's a sweet it's course. A, it's an awesome course. Don't get me wrong. It is. It's probably not quite my pro. Top five. It's probably it's what not... outgrown by the pro tour or by the like touring yeah. pros. Yeah. So even myself, if I go out there, I don't need anything really more than a buzz. Oh. Um, to play dang. that course. Um, there's maybe two or three holes that you need more than a buzz. Um, Do you think there's capability to grow that course to actually? like be longer or is it kind of capped out they do some fun kind of stretched out layouts that are that are awesome um yeah i've been back there in a while and they do some fun stuff with the course but i think if they turn i think there's 27 holes out there 27 if they turn the 27 into a really good 18 there might be a possibility um but it's in a weird location it's north of the twin cities um I guess some of the pro tour, you know, courses are a little out in the middle of nowhere. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, I think there's, there's different qualifications uh, for having events too, for like how much, you know, parking space and, and right. other things. The I logistical stuff has that, but like logistically, I mean, it could, it could probably host, you know, a silver series maybe type tournament, but um, I don't know. It's more of those like show off the arm style courses that, that seem to, to do really well on the pro tour. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know if I like watching that kind of golf, but I also don't watch too much disc golf anymore, but it's fair. We, we, on this podcast, we tend to have a, good number of discussions we'll call them sure. so they're not really debates but like discussions as to like what does like where does the pro tour need to be going in terms of course sure. level in terms of like well touring I, pros I a... so we we tend to talk a lot about that and i totally forgot about blue ribbon pine or yeah uh, yeah i mean i i have a question for you guys then um on the pro tour do you think that there's something that they could do to kind of spice it up a little bit because I, I have a I have my kind of not strong opinion, but a newer opinion that I've had within the last few years that I really think they should make a change. And I don't know if they will or not, but just curious if you guys had. Um You're saying to spice up the pro tour? Yeah, to make uh make some of these events that are, you know, like like Jonesboro it's kind of been the same course since yeah. I started watching disc golf um, yeah. or Idlewild or, you know, uh, the country club course out at Emporia, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know if this is answering your question, but it was a thought that just popped into my mind. We talk about like team Discraft or team infinite, right? Like members of a team, we need to have a couple of events that are yeah. team specific events and you play doubles. 
Yeah. And like I... each each sponsor can have like two or three teams max. So like it's kind of like uh, you have your team captain, Paul Ulivari, mm-hmm. and he sucks. No offense, Paul. We love you. And you're welcome on the pod whenever you want. Uh, but <laughs> like, what is he doing as team captain? He's not really doing anything, you know. Yeah. But if he were to like actually like a Ryder Cup kind of thing, but like yeah. maybe just like for disc golf sponsored players. I don't know. I, I think that would be very yeah. entertaining to watch for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's not really answering the uh, development of the pro tour, but I just. <laughs> that just popped into my head, and I thought sure. it was pretty cool, actually. Sure. No, d- yeah, just kind of a spice up kind of yeah. event. Something Change pace, right? Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Mike? It's hard. I mean, being able to watch a full flight of a disc on a golf course is very satisfying. It is. It draws a lot more attention than the tight wooded golf. Um, easier to have spectators easier to have spectators i just think the future of disc golf is going to be in manufactured um plots of land that are specific for disc golf creating a hole 16 at emporia along with a hole 17 at usdgc along with a hole one at maple hill all on the same property like, like what's the course in Missouri? Um Eagles Landing. Eagles yeah. Landing, yeah. Something like that. Like oh. I I just think we have outgrown the pick a golf course and <laughs> go around that park style and I think yep. we've also kind of outgrown the older traditional I mean even like a blue ribbons pines like we're we're past that type of course the jonesboro mm-hmm. the idlewild sure. it is kind of the same thing over and over again um but i also kind of like that you know mm-hmm. i was watching jonesboro and you have that whole recognition that course recognition um yeah. that you can say oh hole eight at jonesboro like oh yeah i remember that's that that tight shot like Someone... You, you can reference it and somebody else will know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 I mean, think of, think about, you mentioned USDGC hole 17, right? Yeah. We all if know you, what it is because everyone it's been the same. Pick out that Johnny McRae blow up or that, you know, Paul hitting that putt on the Island or Gannon, Gannon last year. Right. Yeah. So like you can just like say the hole and recognize it. It's kind of like uh, Augusta. Yeah, like the Masters. It's my favorite favorite thing to watch every single year. April comes around and I love it. And you can pick out it's electric. You you just say hole sixteen, and I'm like, I know exactly the hole, right? Yep. So yep. Amen Corner, like yeah. oh yeah, Amen Corner. You know, take me there. You could, yep, you know the exact holes, right? I I definitely agree. I think that 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 is a unique that is a unique thing to golf in general, um, mm-hmm. because of the competitive nature of it. And that's what I, I love about, I, you know, I used to ball golf a lot more, but, um, the whole competitive nature is like consistency and over the series of a couple rounds, can you stay consistent? But I still think that they need to kind of make it unique because disc golf, disc golf to me is, is so much more unique than ball golf. Um, because you can do so many more things with a disc than you can 
a golf ball. Um, you can shape a shot. You can whereas shape shots. You're limited you can, in terms of what you can shape with a golf ball. Yeah, and you can shape shots spinning it two different ways. You can throw different, you know, driver, putter. You can't get a golf ball to you know? turn right and then turn left. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not happening. It makes me think that okay, there's there is a certain point in time that you need to differentiate yourself from ball golf but there's also some things you can take from ball golf and and the pga tour that i feel like disc golf needs to incorporate um Mm -hmm. one of that being pin placements Mm. Um, a lot of these top tier courses already have multiple pin placements on greens that force you to throw a different upshot um or really narrow the shot towards the green so like give yourself the exact shot that you need to throw um but being able to move around a pin on the green or let's say day one of the tournament at jonesboro they have the pins in scorable positions right in the oh, oh yeah yeah, yeah. they're at right now and then day three imagine whole what is it hole six the water carry par three mm-hmm. um everyone posted on Instagram, right? I was just yeah. talking to Paul Kranz this last weekend about that is um, what if day three, they have that six feet off the water or yeah. maybe a little more 10 feet off the water. Yeah. Where it's like super cool. Forcing them to be like, okay, if I get it really, really close and have to throw this super precise shot, I'm going to get the birdie. But also if I throw the standard shot, I'm left at 35, 40 feet with a downhill putt towards the water on the final day. Yeah. It could build more, not drama, but like competitive nature in the players where it's, you don't have a runaway winner or the tournament's never over till it's over. Yeah. That, that kind of feel always gets me hooked to watching, you know, the PGA tour. I love watching the PGA tour because you never know if that guy's going to take a double bogey and hit it in the water on the you know, second to last hole Yeah, because the guy behind him is just waiting, you know, he's just waiting on it. And like that final day, if they can make those pin positions and, you know, tough to reach or, you know, stretch, stretch it back 40 feet so that, you know, when they're doing practice rounds, a lot of these courses already have baskets in multiple pin positions or multiple, you know, baskets just leave the baskets in both pin positions for practice rounds day before the tournament. They have tons of volunteers Mm, Yeah, take out, take out the long ones. Right. And then mix it up, you know, have, if you're having three rounds instead of four, pick three pin positions and make these guys uh, that are on the tour, utilize the shots they have instead of throwing that same exact shot at the green every single time and saying, okay, go do it three times. Yeah. Like to every single shot. Right. So, and the person that can do it three times the best wins. Yeah. That, that to me is this golfer and Kelvin right now. <laughs> so Kelvin can yeah. do it the most consistently because he's the, he's a robot, but he's a, yeah. Well, and there's Chris Dickerson for a while. Right. So yeah, I, I think that point brings up a good kind of vision of courses being developed in the future because you can build a course and say, you know, like Maple Hill has their different layouts, right? With the different baskets yeah. and with the different tee pads or whatever. We've seen that, but we haven't seen, you know, Maple Hill Golds have 
two or three pin locations mm-hmm. and changing each pin location each day would be super cool. So like yeah. building courses moving forward, you know, I'm thinking they, you know, one day it's kind of, you know, it finishes left and around a tree. Another day it finishes a little bit longer. Another day it finishes shorter and right. Like yep. it's, it's keeping the, the length of the hole within, you know, 40 feet. Yeah, and, and to Michael's point, but it like, just changes. It's still everything. recognizable, like, right? Yeah, you, got, you know Maple Hill hole one. You You're like, oh, final it. final day, sweet. Yeah. I know it's going to be all the pins are going to be the hardest spots. Yeah, like maybe they push it back a little bit more into the woods, like even twenty feet, so that that upshot that lands at twenty feet at the short pin is now forty foot putt, and you really have. And if to you're going to run that, there. there's a chance you go OB and. Therefore, right. there's going to be more deviation in scoring. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I did we just solve the pro tour? <laughs> I hope that they get there. <laughs> it's been one of my thoughts, and I know I've heard, I've heard some counter arguments to it, um, and I don't like the counter argument of, oh, it's it's so much more work on the tournament staff, and I'm like, great, uh, it cool. should be, and and more with more work comes a better product, right? right. So. I mean, it's, it's one of the things that like, I don't know. I, I think that they should do that. Um, maybe someday when I get elected onto some pro tour board, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but well, case in point, they're doing worlds next year at new London in yeah. Lynchburg. And I'm, I don't know how much you've watched any of the foundation mm-hmm. disc golf YouTube pages, but like they play there all the time. Yeah. And we all know the first hole, it kind of bends or, you know, moves a little right, but you need it to bend a little left, but the basket's actually yeah, like right. pretty, pretty straight line. So you yeah. need to kind of start right, yeah, move a, that's left a unique hole. and finish yeah. right. We know where that basket is. Mm-hmm. That's a, a very tough location. What if you move the basket another, you know, on the opposite end of that, yeah. or you have a basket on the, on the left side, like you and even have that, com- like a good shot gets you to 40 feet a great shot can maybe get you inside the circle but like the standard shot leaves you outside the circle you know at that 40 to 60 feet and And there's ob at the course so if you're off Mm -hmm. you know you're yeah yeah i think they could do that where it's like okay if you really really throw the perfect shot you're gonna get in the circle but if you throw the standard golf shot you're gonna get to 40 to 50 feet and you'll have a circle to look at getting a birdie. If you get the birdie, awesome, right? If you yeah. don't, it's okay to get a par, right? Or run that putt and you come back and you hit a bogey. Tournament's not over at that point if you get a bogey. And I feel like Jonesboro, like... If you got a bogey, you're, you're yeah. done. Well, in the first two rounds. But, like, yeah. if you got a bogey, you're pretty much out of the running. So, but... Yeah, agreed. We were, we were talking last week how... We think we've outgrown Jonesboro in its current format. Yeah. I, I think that there's definitely room out there for them. That's a huge property. Like there's definitely room out there for them to not just it's stretched out. I think that that course is like 10,000 feet, um, maybe even more. Um, but they've kind of done as much as they can when it comes to stretching the course, but like, you know, 
being able to challenge these guys to not throw the exact same shots that they do five days in a row, right. With practice rounds and everything, but like, okay, this time, instead of having it on the right side of the hill, it's over the hill and straight. Right. So, yeah. I don't know. You brought up up that point on talking about new London, how a great shot leaves you kind of inside the circle circles edge. And then your stock shot, leaving you 40 to 50 feet. Do you think, I mean, I look at someone like Gannon, Isaac Robinson, all the top putters that is just as makeable for them as it is for a 25 footer for the majority of people. Right. Do you feel like, I mean, this is what ball golf has is it is a lot harder to roll the ball over a, (laughs) undulated surface and get into that small hole do you feel like putting in disc golf is too easy and that is something that they could look at to making those 40 footer like it makes you try put it closer so you can make it as opposed to just cashing on your long putts yeah well i think i mean there's a few things on that i remember back in the day when paul Macbeth said you know something about the baskets need to be smaller and putting is not hard enough right i think that you know Baskets need to be better standardized. The baskets this last weekend at 303. Agreed. No offense to whoever made the decision to put those baskets into 303. They look great. Um, they look great. They were terrible. Um, they I, were absolutely I thought I terrible. loved them, but nope. Um, there was a guy filming our round, the last round, unfortunately, and I shot really, really poorly um, and put 36% from circle one. But it also didn't help that I had a putt come right back at me from five feet and a putt come right back at me from eight feet. And they were putts that 99.9% of them stay in the basket on any basket. Um, And that basket, I saw more, you know, I saw Harry have a spit out. I saw uh, Joe Revere have a spit out or two. Um, I heard of a handful of other ones, but like that, part of disc golf to me is very frustrating because it can be fixed. Like the technology of a basket can be researched and really, really, um, I, I, I should just say better and more consistent. Yeah. You don't, you don't see can carry 18 baskets be- around with them Yeah, and they're putting on the most consistent, the best basket out there. Um, you don't see a golf having- course have different shaped holes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and like it should be the, you know, it should be fully tested and everything, but like a basket could sponsor the pro tour and, you know, a company could give 18 baskets to the pro tour and they carry around 18 baskets. Um, and all of the players approve that are on tour, because I feel like the, the players should be able to speak that are on tour because they're the ones that are, creating the product right yeah um so i just don't think that a basket should be the reason why you know someone loses well down the road there'll be more money in it but like loses or wins a tournament um, yeah it's not like millions of dollars they're they're losing but like sometimes it is like if you mm-hmm. if aaron gossage would have won last year or let's say let's say he lost the world championships on a five foot spit out. Yeah. Um, it's not that, Oh, 
I made $20,000 less. It's all of the endorsements. You're not the world champion at that point, right? Yeah. You're the runner up. And, but it also um, might take something like that to actually incite a change. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It could. No no offense to Aaron. Aaron, we love you. We want you to win worlds. But yeah, like if something like that happened, there would be an uproar. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like everyone would feel sick about it. And, you know, you don't see like a different cup size at one tournament and not in the, on the PGA tour. And you can only compare the sports so much, but we don't need to talk about cup sizes on this podcast, but (laughs) yeah, well, yeah, but the, uh, that was, that was a, Those, a inappropriate joke. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> but but like, when when you think of like the randomness of sports, that's what people get frustrated with. You know, sure. refereeing. There's no refs necessarily in golf, and that's what I well, like about it. Maybe there should be. Maybe well, maybe sometimes there's certain <laughs> cards that do have, you know, course officials that follow them around. But yeah. that's for Nico. I mean. Well, that's for good reason, I would say. Um, yeah. And I've seen other cards with it too. I guess there was one, it was Jonesboro at the tournament before or something. But yeah, I think that there's there's definitely these like kind of blaringly obvious changes that I wouldn't say need to be made, but like if we want to grow the sport, could should be, be made. made. But I think there's ones that will be made in the future as time goes on that will help the sport only. And it's not going to hurt the sport to make a basket more standardized. Right. And I, that that's not going to hurt the sport. Um, And I mean, how often do you watch, let's say worlds out at Utah and be like, man, those latitude 64 baskets, I'm going to go buy one of those because I saw latitude 64 on a basket, even though Emerson Keith, splashes out three times in one round you're not going to want to go buy that basket so i mean i don't want to go bashing on baskets on a podcast but we already did that that was earlier this year it it can be frustrating to see that watching right yeah so yeah i feel like every other major sport has a standardized like basketball has a standardized basketball they're using the same Mm -hmm. i think it's wilson or spalding the hoop is the same one no matter what arena you're in. Uh, soccer has the same ball, same goal size. Like yep. every sports equipment that those major sports are using is uniform and standardized mm-hmm. throughout the performance. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's so what's the best basket on tour as of today? If we were to put them all across, would, what would you guys be most happy with? Um, I like the chain star pros. Discraft. Discraft. Yeah. I, I you'll agree. Be, you'll be putting on those um, out in Michigan. Yeah, it's true. Um, I think that they're a really, really fair basket. I've played on them a few times. I agree. Um, and then the Innova 28 chains. Like, yeah. I really just like that basket. It's a good standard basket. Um, Certain people are like, oh no, like the Mach X and this and that. And like, get out of here. The standard 28 chain in of a basket, this catcher basket. I mean, those the yellow topped ones. The yeah. yellow top ones. Yeah. Those um, are, are kind of like what you, what you expect. Yeah. What you expect. And I yeah. actually, I agree. I think Discraft is 
is better. I really enjoy the veteran baskets, although I don't think that they're the best. I enjoy them, but I don't I think, think they're the best. I think a used veteran basket is better than a new one. Um, I think they their chains are pretty slippery. Yeah, the yeah. chains. They are. And then, like, when your disc is spinning in the in the cage. <laughs> yeah. But there's part of me that, like, enjoys the nice painted, nice painted uh, cage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We we crapped on baskets earlier this year, namely <clears throat> Prodigy and <laughs> although Michael, I oh. I think you should share your opinion with with Micah on I like I like them. baskets. I don't well, mind them because I feel like you have to. Michael must put dead center all the time. If Micah you... Michael that's, is a great putter. That's what I aim for. That's my <laughs> aiming point when that's I'm good. putting. I'm like I don't need to look at this specific chain. I'm looking. Okay. Six inches over the cage, center pole. That's where I'm aiming. Sure. And I hit it about zero times, but that's where I'm aiming. <laughs> it gives me my biggest widen uh, margin of error. Sure. If I'm sure. agreed. <laughs> but why do you like the prodigy baskets again? I don't remember. Just <laughs> you can you can throw it like if you have a bad putt, it'll punish you, and if you have a good putt, yeah. solid putt, it like it'll it'll catch and stay yeah i like i like that because i mean the the one thing that i i think prodigy baskets are pretty fair um they've they have them out at bluer and pines i don't like putting into a prodigy basket in the headwind um because they never stay in yeah or if they're elevated i don't have them at roy g and i felt like i couldn't get a putt to stay in there yeah and when you're putting in a headwind or you're putting it ele- like an elevated basket, putting up at them, they seem to be pretty inconsistent. But mm-hmm. um, I don't like how they give. So I, I think if you put too hard, I think that that's a bad putt. And you put too yep. hard and it chains out or you put too hard and it comes back at you <laughs> um, or straight off the pole. That to me is a bad putt. Um, yeah. Even though Gannon. it hits dead center, comes right back at you, you miss the putt because you have to learn that pace is part of putting. Um, or if you putt too softly and it hits the chain and flops out the side or something like that, and like that, you miss. That's the comparable putt. to golf. Yeah, you have yeah, to have exactly. the right. You have to have the right line and tempo. Speed. Yeah, yeah. and and, and I yeah, think you can get lucky really hitting the important. back of the cup and bouncing up and dropping in, but that's <laughs> you can that's, also yeah you can also get lucky in disc golf too. So right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those a... things that pace is really cool part of disc golf because, uh, you know, putting in disc golf is so much easier, like you said, Michael, than um, putting in golf, right? Putting in golf is that's the hard that that's incredibly hard compared to putting in disc golf, right? Yeah. The average um, Joe is like a three or four putter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I like in disc golf, the average like, Joe is like a two putter. You know. Yeah, and and I always like to think like, what is, what distance in disc golf, is like a ten foot putt in golf. Well, ten the foot. Ten foot putt in golf. They're fifty percent, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the pro tour, from, yeah, it's like, yeah. It's like thirty for the average player, but maybe thirty five, thirty six. I would think uh-huh. like a ten foot putt in golf is like a fifty foot putt in disc golf. Fifty. Yeah. yeah. I could agree. For like the top okay. guys. The, the, the amount of times they make to miss ratio it forty yeah, forty five, fifty. Maybe yeah, maybe forty forty, forty five ish. 
maybe 50. Like if you give it to like a really good tournament, like yeah. golf tournament and someone like kills it from 10 and in, but like, <laughs> if you think about pro tour, like, or disc golf pro tour, if someone kills it on the putting green, like Isaac Robinson or something, um, he's making everything from 50 and in, you yeah. know? So I don't know. I always try to, I like the comparison between the two sports, um, because I, I, I've played both a lot and I like the comparisons. So yeah. we both are former golfers prior to our disc golf days as well. So sure. That's why I got into it is because this is the cheaper, more affordable form of golf. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, quick question, Micah, do you golf left-handed? Yeah, I, I do everything left-handed. Um, nothing, right. The only thing that I do on, with the right side of my body is, um, I used to kick in football and I played soccer. Um, I can kick more accurately, um, with my left foot, but I can kick further uh, with my right foot and, okay. um, I can dunk a basketball better with my right hand than I can my left. Cause you're, is that cause you're jumping off of your left? Yeah. I think my left, my left leg is, I don't know, a little more coordinated when it comes to jumping maybe <laughs> or something. <laughs> so. Michael, are you the same? No, I'm completely ambidextrous. So I really? throw Frisbee left-handed and my golf swing is the same motion. So I'm right-handed right. golfer. Right. Same. Which like I, it doesn't make sense that so many people throw right-handed, like so you're turning with, like you're using mm -hmm. your right shoulder in this, and then you turn around and golf the other way. I'm like, what are you, yeah. guys, what are you guys doing? That's that's backwards. I yeah. I have this. I I'm moving the same direction for every sport <laughs> I play. I think I think originally my brother tried teaching me how to putt right-handed in disc golf and probably because i sucked putting left-handed but <laughs> i think we um, all explored that switch at some point yeah. in our disc golf careers no, last last year when i hurt my shoulder i tried playing one round at johnny's uh right-handed and i shot it's like minus six or minus eight right-handed nice. but also the furthest hole is like 230 feet <laughs> um but i played one round right-handed and i said i'm never doing this again it's just not fun so yeah but that's good. Okay. Well, we have been a little long winded to wrap us up before we let you shout out any, anybody you want to shout out any plugs. Uh, what's a, a two minute drill that you might be working on currently, or you think could benefit Mr. Harris and myself? Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, a majority of my work spent um, through the tournament year is putting. Um, and the, the, the main thing that I, I like to, uh, focus on, and I alluded to it much earlier. I mean, we've been talking for a long time, but, um, focus on 20 foot putts. Um, I will say Micah, and since we played at prickly pines the first time and you told me that I spend 75% of my practice putting from that distance i i just want to let you know that you inspired me <laughs> hey no that's good i i it hasn't helped the number but... <laughs> one drill that i tell people to do and i think it's kind of inherited from something i learned from an old eagle pod 
or vlog or something way back when is learn, learn how your putters fly from 20 feet because um, grow your confidence from 20 feet because when you move back to 30, you'll know exactly how they fly. Um, and if, if you see the disc going into the basket, you feel more and more confident in it. And so like tomorrow, for example, I'm going to go out and I'm going to place mini markers 20 feet all the way around the basket. Um, I have a rope attached to a carabiner that's 20 feet and I'll just place minis exactly at 20 feet and I'll just learn how to make putts again. Um, I missed way too many from that distance. And that is the distance you should be absolutely hundred percent in any wind. So, um, last year, if you're automatic got, there, you're going to get absolutely. up and down. You're going to make birdies. You're going to save. Absolutely, because save now you're going to be running those 40 foot putts and giving them good runs. And if you land at 20 feet, you know, you're good, right. Mm -hmm. In your own head, you already made that. So, um, you know, if I would say to do a drill is I would do that, go place minis around a basket, um, at 20 feet practice in all winds. Um, hopefully you can get a little bit of elevation, go around and do straddle putts, um, straddle putts one time next time do a staggered putt. Um, and then, uh, even last year, like I did, uh, you know, I, I did a little bit of analytics with it and calculated percentages that I, um, make putts in left to rights, make putts in right to lefts, which putts do I need to work on the best headwind putts, tailwind putts, cross putts, which way, you know, I, I, I was incredibly analytical about it and I think it helped me because I focused a lot on headwind putts and learned what I needed to do to make headwind putts. So, um, at 20 feet, you can learn a lot about your putt and especially, I mean, the biggest part is just making putts. So, yeah. You heard it here first, make putts. Yeah. <laughs> make putts and wind Score better. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll think of a rhyme for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Make putts and cover your butts. I don't know. Uh, quickly before we let Micah place the shout outs, I just got to shout out my wife. It's her birthday tomorrow. So thank you, Sid, for letting me yeah. uh, record this tonight. <laughs> Big 29. Wow. And then uh, Juniper's birthday is on Friday and she turns two. Wow. Wow, awesome. two already. It's it's birthday week for us. We got six birthdays and Mother's Day this week. So oh god. Well, I'll be going to Pagosa for a, a B tier down there on Friday. So um nice. I'm actually uh, Joe Revere is gonna come down too, and he said he's bringing his whole family down. I didn't I forgot it was Mother's Day, so that's a good reminder again. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Reminder for Mother's Day. Shout out my mom. Thanks for listening, mom. Yeah. Awesome. I'll also, shout out my mom. So there we go. Hope she listens to this at some <laughs> point. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Any other plugs you want to throw out? Anything from Infinite? Um, uh, yeah, no. Roll code, I, anything like that? I think, uh, you know, just uh, keep an eye out for, I, I'm pretty active on Instagram. Um, I like posting kind of my disc golf story, things I'm working on this i'm working on tournaments everything like that i'm i'm 
kind of active on Facebook, but, uh, you know, my Instagram is, uh, got a long story behind it, but it's yo underscore yo underscore Micah. Um, you know, I get recognized weirdly on disc golf courses sometimes as yo, yo Micah. Um, so, um, we'll uh, we'll tag that in the description. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, infinite's been great to me. And, you know, if you have any questions about some infinite discs, maybe what discs they are, um, sometimes they're cool combinations of different Innova molds, Mm -hmm. um, reach out to me. Um, Maybe I can uh, hook you up with some discs or um, at least give you some referrals. Perfect. And I appreciate you guys as fellow lefties bringing me on and chatting for probably way too long, but I love talking about disc golf. This is why we started the podcast. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Instead of texting, we do this once a, once a week. So I like that. Yeah. That's it's reduced our, it's reduced our number of texts or the length of our texts. (laughs) Well, Oh yeah. We'll talk about this on the pod. Yeah. No, hopefully, hopefully you guys will let me back on it. You know, some point in time, maybe late season or something like that. Yeah. Let's go. We'll be following you for sure. So awesome. Awesome. Thanks for taking the time and uh, we'll see you all next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks guys.